All right. Welcome to Rated NA, the podcast for the website nerdappropriate.com. This is episode number 360 or 401. Uh, I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Ash. Hey, we have a special guest. Brianna yeah. White is here as a co-host to hang out with us. Welcome Hello. back. Hello. I'm very excited to be here. Thanks yeah. for having me. You've graduated to, to co-host rank. <laughs> Look at that. I know. That's a, hey, that's a... That's a 2020 is not all bad. I know. Once you get to episode three, you get the jacket and all the buttons. And <laughs> yeah. I'll the, be waiting for that. The rank it's the ceremony. same jacket, though. We just keep handing it around from yeah. person to person. I don't so. want it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> There's only one. I crocheted it myself. It's just... <laughs> yellow yarn it's, yeah it's pretty awful it's horrible but you were uh last old year cbs receipts <laughs> just duct tape together <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the podcast <laughs> um you were here in march uh and and we did an interview and i had so much fun i was like oh my gosh you would be such a fun co-host and then you said yes and you're back so thank you you're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. This is fun. Yeah. So um, let's catch up with you really quick, and then we'll get into what we're going to be talking about this week. We're going to do some reviews and, and talk about news and all that fun stuff that we do all the time. But what have you been doing since March? <laughs> how, do, how does anybody answer that question? This is such trying, a terrible question. Trying love... to stay healthy. <laughs> sure. um, you know, and that's about it. Yeah. You know, panicking, yeah. a lot of panicking. Can I yeah. say that? Yeah, no, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Full yeah. of anxiety some, over here. It's some fine. panicking, yeah. But then, you know, trying to think, well, you know, you can't sustain panic for more than three months. So, mm. you know, you got to have some calm. So I'll have like a day of calm and then I'll go back to panicking. Yeah, I think I'm there yeah. too. I think the first, um, I remember when we, you and I were first talking in March we were like, how much longer could this possibly last? It was like week. It was like week two of quarantine. I was like, this is just so hard. Two weeks of like not going anywhere. I'm on like I literally haven't gone anywhere since March. I mean, we've gone out for walks and and stuff like that, but like we haven't we haven't gone out because like in the area that I'm in is uh, still not very safe. Um, and so. may I commend you for that? Ah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> because I, don't I have a lot of people that I know that are going on vacations out of the country still. And I'm like, yeah. why are you doing that? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of like, aren't we all in this together? Yeah. <laughs> I know. What's going on, everyone else? And they're like, no, we're going to go have fun. And you're like, dang it. <laughs> oh, okay. Why can't I be more carefree and reckless? <laughs> yeah. 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 It's It's so strange because like you feel like if we were just all in this together and we could like all read the same memo and all interpret the memo the, the same way that like this wouldn't be an issue anymore. <laughs> I feel like the interpretation has been distorted so many times in so many different places that uh, unfortunately we're still stuck yeah. in this uh, hellscape. Hellscape <laughs> yep. is a great so word anyways, what it. have you been up video to? Video games. Yeah, let's talk <laughs> yeah. about video games. Moving yeah. on from hellscape. Happy fun times. No, well, I have to say I've been very grateful that I can work from home, so I've been working a lot, streaming mm. a lot, which helps me feel very connected to a large group of people. That my, It's my community. They're wonderful. So all in all, I can't truly say that I've only panicked in 2020 because right. my game came out in April, and while we talked that to death already, so I won't continue to talk about that. Oh, it's that worth talking about. It's a huge deal. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful, and I've been very busy, and, and – I've this has been a great year for me. 
well, all things considered. Let's talk well, about good. your awesome community just for a second before we jump into the show. I, I hopped in and you were having a celebration for a thousand subs on Twitch, which is first of all, insane and awesome. Uh, but what a great community you have. I mean, they're like, it's weird looking at a chat and seeing like a lot of positive energy, yeah. like actually, you know, coming across in chat and not like I, my day job is a community manager for games. So I've seen both sides of, you know, the positive and the negative and, and how toxic communities can be. And it's so cool. You've like surrounded yourself with these just incredibly creative uh, and gracious humans. Like uh, what's your secret? Like how do, <laughs> how do I do I, it? I wonder that all the time. And I've been wondering it since the beginning. I mean, I've been doing this, I, I've, you know, I posted my first YouTube video in 2015 and I read every single comment. I've read every single comment that's ended up on my YouTube channel since 2015. And while some that's not the life for a lot of creators, I get it. Mm. Um, there's something about it that I've just been incredibly fortunate to ha just have the best people find me. Just the warmest, kindest, very generous in spirit. Um, very intelligent and and mature. I mean, just all of the like good qualities and like your best buddy. Like I yeah. feel like my community is my best buddy. And so when I stream, it's like, it makes me feel great. There, there's really no, like, I, we just don't get a ton of toxicity in my community. And, and I have all of them to thank for that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Congra congratulations on a thousand. That's ridiculous and, and very cool. Thank you. So you didn't stay for the rest of the stream when we celebrated all the other stuff. No, I didn't. I had to oh, I had family. So tell me, this tell me. Was, this was one big mega celebration stream because we were passing milestones so quickly that we couldn't have a celebration before we had to start celebrating the next thing. <laughs> so great. So we passed 1,000 subscribers, then 5,000 subscribers, then 50,000 followers on Twitch, Holy then cow. 7777 subs, which is a wow. perfect number <laughs> the Final Fantasy VII Remake. <laughs> so we were very excited about that. Yeah. And then we passed 500,000 total channel views. That's wow. insane. So we were celebrating, like this was like the doorbuster of all celebrations. Yeah, it was a big wild. one. Yeah, I think I was there for maybe the first like 45 minutes to an hour and it was just so chill and, and so cool. I think I was there like up until you ate that entire cake all by yourself. Wait a minute. No, you can't <laughs> tell people I ate the whole thing because I didn't. I so ate cute. like four bites and then I was like, I can't anymore. The giant cake. No, but yeah, we cool. did. We got a giant cake with our favorite emote on it. And it was my finger guns. Finger guns emote, yeah. It's a picture nice. of my hands. I had to explain this to the store that I bought it from, that it's kind of just like <laughs> a, a prank or a joke. And yeah. they were like, yeah, okay, this girl's weird. Why does she want a cake with pointing fingers on yeah. it? Yeah, <laughs> it's hard. It is strange. It was well, worth it, though. That is very worth it. And congratulations. It's very exciting. And and, and shout out to everyone in your community, because they do seem like genuinely awesome people. So They really are. All right, so on this week's show, we are going to review uh, Marvel's Avengers from uh, Crystal Dynamics. Um, can you tell me what this word is? Because I don't know how to say it correctly. What What is uh, Aregetsuko? Okay, it's Agretsuko. Agretsuko, okay. Agretsuko. Yeah. 
Uh, thank you. Cause I had no idea what that was. <laughs> I was like, Oh geez. This was like when I was a teacher, I would get to these words uh, when I was teaching, I'd be like, Oh shit. And I would have to like go the morning before when I or I'd hit one of these words and I'd have to go on Google and, and listen to the word over and over again to train myself to say these words that I cannot, that I cannot say. So you got to train me to say this one. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about Legend of Korra, which you've been watching. Uh, I played a, a awesome little indie title called Star Renegades, which I'm going to plug the heck out of. And uh, if we have time, I'm going to talk more about Teenage Bounty Hunters because <laughs> I finished it and I love it. I just want to talk about it more. Um, in the news section, we're going to talk about uh, some box office stuff in COVID times and how much money Tenant made. And uh, Xbox, of course, released a whole bunch of information about the Series S and the uh, Xbox Series X. Is that what it's called? <laughs> Xbox One X Series X. No, uh, no one. Just series Seri- Xbox Series X. Series X. I'll forever be confused with this. Um, we're gonna talk about Jelly Bean Games, Fall Guys, and Among Us, and uh, Dune. Of course, the Dune trailer dropped. We're gonna talk about that. And I have a, a little mini announcement at the end about something cool that I am cooking up. That I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's gonna happen. That way, it definitely happens. But we'll we'll talk about it at the end. So, a little bit of a reunion thing going on. So, you guys ready for some reviews? <laughs> All right, so we are back and we're going to be talking about Marvel's Avengers uh, by Crystal Dynamics, uh, published by Square Enix. Um, what, what are you guys, I want to kind of pick your brains, what are your early impressions of Marvel's Avengers? Good Good and bad. Like just because I didn't play it, you just want to know cursory wise what. Yeah, I think like just from the from the zeitgeist, like plucking <laughs> plucking from space. Like what do you, uh, what do you think of the title? Mixed reviews, I guess. Mixed feelings on it. Mm-hmm. I uh, I don't. Uh, I like. I, I don't trust things with Marvel's game company tagged on the front of it. So. They don't always make the best stuff. All the stuff that you love from Marvel comic games, like Spider-Man, all those mm-hmm. games that came out that you enjoy. I say all. I guess Spider-Man, 90% <laughs> of what I'm talking about is Spider-Man. Uh, right. Isn't actually a Marvel games game. It's like a Sony game and uh, whatever. But uh, so I had, I was, I wouldn't even say cautiously optimistic. I was just cautious. I didn't like, I didn't buy it because I was like, I don't have high hopes for this game it seemed kind of jumbled and messy when they were trying to put it out there. Like right. the stories that kept talking about it and what it was going to be like, there was stuff that was cool, you know, that they were voice acting at a hundred percent with, with some good voice acting. And it was fine that they weren't going with like the movie characters. They were just kind of like riffing off the comic book characters as far as like look and feel. Uh, I thought that they put Ms. Marvel in the front of it and supposedly gave her a good story, which seemed like a good idea so that we don't get like, just sick to death of Iron Man and Thor and Captain America or whatever. Right. So I thought all of that was good. I just, I like, there was nothing else around it that made me feel like, oh, this is going to be, I don't know a lot about Crystal Dynamics as far as like other games that I've enjoyed from them. And, and I'm not, I just had no right real feelings towards the rest of it. So. Well, I, I think I had the same level of apprehension, uh, but uh, I am going to go on record and say that this is a, a like this is an incredibly good game <laughs> and I feel like it's only going to get better. And I'm, I feel very happy saying that because I, I, I had, I, I have a feeling that 
they sort of had to meet a date for their demo. Um, they put their demo out. A lot of people were worried about the demo because the demo is sort of the, the very beginning of the game, which is very much on rails and is uh, more or less a tutorial on how to play some of the characters. And you uh, mean the beginning with the one with like uh, Black Widow and yeah, you kind of where they showed through. that like play demo of, of flipping through the different Avengers and stuff. Right. You're on the bridge and you're, you know, you're kind of learning yeah. all their abilities and that's really, I mean, that is more or less the tutorial of, of the game. Um, but the, main game itself has so much depth like i I am so i I cannot stress enough how ambitious this game is because in a lot of these brawling games you have one character that has a a gigantic skill tree and a lot to learn and and a specific fighting style uh, but every single one of the Avengers has its co- a p- completely unique control scheme and a completely different set of abilities, and they all feel wildly different. And so, you know, you have a character like Iron Man, which can fly at any time and has access to like repulsor beams and lasers and rockets and uh, and also brawling and things like that. And then you have a character like uh, Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan, who for the first time in the history of any game ever makes stretching powers cool yeah (laughs) like it's like it's like the goofiest power set right like how how can you make stretching even remotely exciting but uh they make you know her her power set incredibly fun and all of the avengers are like that and i was just kind of shocked because you know they they force you into playing all of them in in the campaign i want to say i'm maybe three quarters of the way through the campaign now i think it's like at i'm at like hour maybe hour nine or 10, something like that. And um, yeah, they all play differently and they're all fun for different reasons. Like Black Widow can go stealth and has three different guns that she can use and does all the flips, like the Heidi Moneymaker, uh, you know, Scarlett Johansson stunts and everything that you see in in the films uh, that they they do in this game as well. Um, So yeah, like, and and the level of polish is really high. Like I would say this is like like a quadruple A game. Like I cannot fathom how much money they spent on this title. <laughs> just right. from like just from all the mocap and all the voice acting. Like they have like literally like the Avengers of voice acting in this game. It's like, true. They yeah, have yeah. all the superstars. Yeah. yeah all it's the big like, names. Like Nolan North and Laura Bailey and Troy Baker and like yeah. all those guys. I mean, it's just like and they're all fantastic and most of them have been doing these characters for a long time like travis willingham has done thor in a hundred different things like yeah you know, he's been doing thor for like a decade so um you know it it's really really solid and like i think that the only issue if i were to point out faults or qualms there's like a loot a loot system in the game that like is not necessary in the slightest like everyone has different uh levels of loot that they can get that are all tiered like world of warcraft style from like commons to yellow legendaries but they don't actually like do anything right (laughs) like (laughs) some of them might give you like a buff like 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 uh black widow's pistol might shoot acid instead of like regular bullets um you know minor buffs and stuff like that but they don't do anything cosmetically for your characters so it's just uh it's just strictly like increasing the the numbers on your characters right so that's kind of a bit of a drag like you're collecting stuff all the time like loot drops but they're not exciting to really uh to pick up at all you're not jumping up and down to actually like grab loot you know it's not something that you're Mm. stoked to get uh but that being said like i find the like 
the mechanics of the game to be really satisfying. I think it was challenging for them to build the levels and the maps to accommodate um, all the characters at the same time. Because even in the single player campaign, you're normally with like at least one or two other Avengers, right? And so you have you have to have these maps where Iron Man can fly and Hulk can jump, and um, they have to be huge. So a lot of times it feels a little sparse and a little a little vacant, just because the maps are massive and there might be only like five enemies in that area, but the map is big enough to have like Thor flying around and Iron Man flying around and like Hulk throwing you know giant chunks of debris. So it, the maps are a little odd, but I think it's something they sort of had to do to accommodate the playstyle of this game. Um, oh yeah, and, and, the, and the campaign also follows Kamala Khan. Uh, she's the right. main protagonist, which is, uh, I think, really bold and, and incredibly cool. Um, you know, we have never had a game uh, with Kamala Khan as a main character. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. There's I a mean, lot of stuff missing from Kamala Khan. Yeah. No movies, no car. I mean, there's a cartoon. I think they did some animated series with Kamala yeah. Khan at the main, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, her campaign, it's sort of the story of the Avengers through the eyes of a super fan, but also someone who has uh, aspirations to be really heroic herself. And so she gets, uh, you know, this is just from the trailer, but she ends up getting powers on on uh, A-Day, which is when Captain America is uh, killed. That's in the trailer, so that's not a spoiler. So she gains powers and then has to kind of become a crime fighter on her own, and it becomes her mission to sort of reunite the Avengers. And it's... Uh, it's a really well acted story. Like it's, it's not goofy at all. It's very, um, it's very similar to like an MCU level story. So it's mm -hmm. like, you know, it's like PG 13, um, you know, well acted, well performed. Yeah. Like I, I just, I'm really into it. I think it's great. And I think they're, you know, they're adding additional characters, uh, in the coming months. I know they, they said, um, uh, Kate Bishop is being added next month, uh, being voiced by Ashley Birch, and uh, they're adding Hawkeye and Black Panther, and apparently some other some other great characters down the road. So, I would say, you know, definitely if you are a Marvel fan or an Avengers fan, and you like brawlers, I love brawlers. Like, I just I, I love the mindless fun of brawling. <laughs> I mean, that was kind of my follow up because, like, we both got the Marvel brawler on Switch. And I fell off of that game so insanely fast that yeah. like <laughs> I like played it. I was like, all right, well, this is the same thing over and over and over. Like I just, I completely fell out of it. Uh, you enjoyed it though and kept playing it. Is this feel similar in sense of like, is it really just hack and slash all the way through different but, levels? Or is, is there, I mean, I know it's acted well. I know there's, I, I've heard yeah. the story is really good, but I've also heard you're at the point where the story falls off and I don't oh, yeah. know. If, yeah, like the ten-hour mark is where everybody's been like, and then it's like every review I've read has essentially been like it is ten hours of like one of the best games ever made, and then it just kind of like keeps going. And mm -hmm. we have this complaint a lot about games because because of the price and because of the demand, people want these every game to be a sprawling game. And you know, you, me, and Scott have all said like i'm fine with it, a really good 10 hour game i do not have 90 hours anymore in my life to play games but a solid 10 20 hour game like hurrah let's try it um so i don't know I, like it's and i take it back also crystal Dyna dynamics did uh tomb raider which tomb is raider. Like a fantastic yeah yeah i don't know why i blanked on that but but very different as well yeah for sure yeah. right 
like very yeah. small, well, not small, huge in scope, but small in narrative, like, like definitely following a singular path kind of. Yeah. Following a, a singular story. character. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, yeah. I mean, it's, I'm glad you like it. I, I, I know I said a lot that this game would be terrible <laughs> very early on. Uh, I still maintain that it did look pretty terrible from the beginning, but, uh, I will happily eat my words if it's, if it's really good. That's yeah, great. No, it, it's really solid. And I, you know, I think, um, Right now, I think it's uh, it's in its infancy, and if they do intend on sticking with it as long as they say they're going to, and keep you know and add additional characters and modes and things like that, I think it has the potential to be really fantastic. Um, especially when they iron out sort of the, the issues with loot and and you know really what the soul of the game is. Like mm-hmm. I feel like if the soul of the game was the, the narrative experience of being able to play th- these great characters. And, and that's, you know, that's what it is. It's like a 12 hour narrative adventure. That's great. But it's sort of mixed at this point with this destiny esque game yeah. as a service um, where you're collecting loot. But me, like I, I don't care. Like I'm never going to be like a competitive <laughs> Marvel's Avengers guy and be like, I just got the legendary chest. It's like, that's just not me, but um, yeah. that might be, that might be, somebody that really wants to do that you know so i think it has to find its footing in that regard but um but yeah i'm, I'm giving it a two two <laughs> embiggened hands up oh neat <laughs> yeah two embiggened hands up so uh, it was good i feel like it'll be a game that i'll check out at some point maybe to play the narrative and then it'll be it's like the same with like destiny a game not built to like play through the narrative narrative or whatever and i'm like i'll just play the first six mm-hmm. hours and then i'm good and then like leave the game entirely and everybody's like no you you keep playing at that point i'm like no i don't but everybody else enjoy it um so i feel like that's that's cool i just yeah i don't know it still feels huge and sky have they made money because <laughs> they spent they had to spend Oh, it knows? just came out like two weeks ago. No, right? no, I mean like, yeah. but are they are they selling? I guess is my question. Is the know. game selling? I don't know. I, I'm sure. It, I'm sure it's doing well. I don't think it's there so was hard anything. to know anymore. Like, it, it's so hard to read through. I don't know. I don't know where my brain was going. Other than like, <laughs> essentially, like games marketing has become games like you don't know that something's selling well. You just know that they are still spending epic amounts of money on like marketing anymore. So mm-hmm. I see it all the time. The game is constantly in my face for sure. And that's great. Like for them, <laughs> hopefully that is turning into sales. It just makes me wonder how much, how much I hope it's doing well. I don't know. I just crystal. I don't want anybody to do poorly. I hope it does well. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to do just fine. <laughs> sure. Let's hope so. Uh, Bree, do you want to talk about, uh, can you, Aga- Go for it. No, you say it, Ash. Agretsuko? <laughs> uh, uh, no, I said yeah. it wrong. Yeah. yeah? Okay, yeah. it's close. Pretty close. Pretty close. Um, so I'm guessing neither of you know anything about this show. That <laughs> I know, no, I I know style-wise what it is, and I've okay. seen a lot of ads for it. I have never actually watched it. So it's a show on Netflix. It's an animated show. And... Um, all I had to watch was the, you know, Netflix like plays a trailer for you and you're just kind of scrolling through now. Mm-hmm. So there's this, you know, little, what is she, a red panda? Is it a red panda? I think it's she's a red, a red panda. panda yeah. And she's in her little office suit. She's an office worker and, you know, the phone's ringing and she's typing away on her keyboard and her boss is giving her some menial task. And then it immediately and sharply cuts 
to a death metal scream. And this <laughs> red panda just has the full kiss makeup and is just like death screaming heavy metal in a karaoke room and just like getting all of her rage out at this terrible corporate life. And um, at that point I was like, okay, I have to know, I have to know what this show is about. Um, so season three just came out recently. Uh, within the past couple of weeks. And I, of course, binged it. The episodes are super easy to watch. They're about 16 to 20 minutes each. Um, you can watch it in Japanese with subtitles or they do have a really good English dub as well. I've heard really good things about it. And um, this season centers around the relationship between Agretzico, or Retsuko is her name, and um, her coworker who has sort of this like unrequited crush on her and um she also for the first time ever kind of gets pulled into uh performing in public for the first time because they're referencing a side hustle culture that everybody is talking <laughs> oh, no. about right now and she goes okay my side hustle is gonna be i'm gonna become an underground pop idol uh but our our uh, gimmick as pop idols is that we're actually gonna sing death screamo music <laughs> and um so it's all the hijinks and um of that while also dealing with like the complex emotions of what happens when you become a little too well known and maybe you get a little bit of a stalker and maybe the stalker comes and tries to find you at work um and what happens when your coworker gets involved but you don't really know if you're just like you know interested in this person or you're just lonely and so it dives into this kind of um really relatable emotional place that is is so it's such a good contrast of a show between absolutely ridiculous and goofy but then super 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 relatable at the same time so i loved it i've loved all three seasons of course this one was not going to be an exception it's super super good that's so, so <laughs> that's fun awesome. So not appropriate for a four-year-old. Not at all. No. <laughs> no. I'm always looking for new cartoons. No. No. Do not let your four-year-old watch this. <laughs> You'd probably do. like it. That's the thing. I was going to say, or do. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> He's into some spooky stuff these days. Uh, that sounds awesome. I love that kind of like uh, tonally when something is silly, but at the same time, very heartfelt and has a message. Those are to me sometimes the best shows and cartoons where all of a sudden you feel yourself feeling something or you weren't expecting to you're like oh i'm getting Catches an emotional response. surprise yeah. exactly yeah um let's jump in and talk about legend of Korra, which i actually have never seen really yeah no, you have, have you seen I, the I last airbender i haven't watched avatar either guys what? i'm sorry i'm, t okay. I'm t oh, no, this, hold so, on though this tracks because oh, no. it's something that i told ash to watch oh, yeah, yeah. a million times oh yeah you did for sure because airbender is like one of one of the best i think shows made in a in a very long time if ever uh oh, but i yeah. too was the person who hadn't seen it ever okay um and i a few members of my community were like brianna you have to watch it. It's super good. You'll like it. I promise. And so I was like, okay, okay, okay. It's quarantine. And I had just finished my last quarantine watch project. And so I had a new one. I had some time. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'll watch Avatar. So I started watching Avatar, watched through the whole thing 
And now mm. I'm on Legend of Korra. Awesome. Ooh. Yeah. So I binged it. I probably watched all of it in about a month. Wow. It's it's so unbelievably well made. Like it's it really is shockingly good. <laughs> it is. You know, <laughs> when it was coming out, you know, I've always thought of it as a kid's show. I've never, yeah. I never thought of it as something that had depth. And I think that's because my little brother used to watch it all the time and he's a big fan of it. Sure. And he had mentioned a few times, you know, you should watch it. It's good. But you know, what older sister wants to watch something their little tiny brother is <laughs> like, no, like gross. Right. Yeah. So I was never into it, but, um, but it is a good show. It's very well written and yeah. the characters are very wholesome. It certainly is something that came out a while back and it sure has some themes that reflect that and i think mm. that it's definitely a show that is written maybe with a little bit more of a boy's lens um oh, yeah, more, yeah. a little bit yeah. more enjoyable for a boy to watch than for a girl the girl characters are strong which is wonderful but they're not as complex and so i felt i was missing that a little bit mm. but um overall really really well done and that's yeah. in regards to Avatar The Last Airbender, which I felt like with Legend of Korra, they specifically tried to rectify, which I was very happy with. Yeah. So how far are you into Legend of Korra now? I'm on, I think, halfway through season two, maybe the ending part of season two. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I really, I'm super liking it. Korra, um, it felt like such a more... like. It felt like it had to do less work at the beginning to establish itself in the, of course, the world that it's in, because the world was kind of already established somewhat um, from Airbender. But Korra felt like where Airbender, you know, you didn't have a slow start, but you had to kind of build into this world and understand this lore that they were building around these characters and what all the different groups of people were and what all the different powers and all these different things. And Korra really just felt like it was like, we're going to drop you in on this, on this singular story and we're going to watch you let, like let you just watch it kind of flourish from there and kind of watch this, this person Korra go through. I mean, I don't know. It's like kind of just life in general, but, oh, yeah. <laughs> but like she goes through a lot. Yeah. But like life in general to a, you know, such a cinematic degree, it really is a really good show. I was, I feel like Airbender could have been a show that was very hard to follow and Korra was Legend of Korra did it so sort of seamlessly and without issue. Yeah, I, I definitely feel like they learned a lot from the first from Avatar mm -hmm. um, that that was definitely addressed in Korra. I definitely feel like Korra is a more mature version. Like yeah. you're saying, it has more complex themes. It's not so on the nose. Right. And you don't you take for granted some of the more on the nose elements when they've already been introduced. So like the four elements, like the water tribe, the fire tribe, what do they do? They put fire in the, from their hands. Like yeah. it is a little bit of a kid's show and that some of those elements are on the nose in that. And of course, the fire tribe is like angry. And of course, they yeah. become the villains, right? I'm doing air quotes. <laughs> this is audio only. Yeah. Um, but in Korra, you kind of get to take those things for granted and they kind of elevate those those aspects. Although one of my personal gripes is that they've now done two stories of rival brothers in the right. first two seasons. Oh, and I'm really? like, wait a minute. I've seen this before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, of I can see that. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that I think there was complexity in Airbender that existed. It just wasn't. I think the world was more complex than the characters were. I think they 
they put forward sort of simplified versions of like character archetypes mm-hmm. to build this like kung fu world that they wanted to build and that the like the the tribal sense of it and yes where they broke up by powers was very like child centric and like you could tell that was like nickelodeon being like we can sell things with this yes. you know like <laughs> yes <laughs> for sure nickelodeon was like all over the notion that they could sell this stuff um but uh but i don't know i just think that you know with like with I don't, we don't have to review Airbender. I thought it was very well. I, I thought it was very well done, but I thought Korra was just such, like you said, a, such a more mature version with a more focused story, I think, and a more focused mm. main character. So I, I, I'm glad you're watching it. Ash, one day we'll apparently watch it's these It's shows. on my list of shame. See, it's on his shows to watch now because people that aren't me keep saying to him, watch this show. <laughs> and that's, that's what not... had to happen to me as well. Yeah. <laughs> one day, one day, guys. Um, well, I'm glad you guys are liking Korra. I mean, uh, it's funny. I've actually been in, I think I went to two Legend of Korra Comic-Con panels Yeah. Uh, when, without ever watching it just because they were in the room that I wanted to be in. And I remember just like <laughs> loving the cast and being like, I got to watch this show. It looks so good. <laughs> There's so much fun. Uh, but I never did. because You terrible. probably could just watch Korra too without watching Airbender, but you should watch Airbender. It really isn't a hard watch. And it's, they're like... They're half hour episodes, right? And I mean, I probably yeah. wouldn't want to watch Korra first and then go back to. Yeah, it. that would be weird. That for would sure. not be yeah. good because of what we just talked about. It, it sort of feels like Korra was made with with more in mind. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that would be weird. Plus, you would be kind of given the lore of Airbender before you watched. Like, would you'd spoil be given everything. Yeah, you would spoil a lot of stuff from watching Korra first. But. Mm. It's worth it. Watch them both, Ash. One day. One what are day. you doing? It's your literally could, a kid's show. Yeah, your son can watch Airbender. <laughs> yeah, you can watch that could. with him for sure. Yeah. Oh, you definitely can. It's, yeah. it's, it's yeah. a kid's show. It is. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe we'll do that. That'll give me something to do. <laughs> Thank goodness. If I watch like the the uh, Deep Sea Diver Scooby-Doo episode one more time, I might lose my mind. He's <laughs> probably watched it 500 times. Um, I'm up at babies, so. Oh, yeah. Wait till you get to Scooby-Doo. It's a whole new... She watched I punished my parents with Barney, so oh, yeah. you know we skipped oh, yeah. right through Barney. We haven't done any Barney. We watched a little. Melissa showed it to her, and she was. He's like, a very creepy fine. murder dinosaur. Yeah. I don't <laughs> recommend it. There's a lot of weirdness in that show. Didn't some huge pop star come from that show? Isn't it? I don't know. It's somebody giant. It's not Ariana Grande, but it's like that level of somebody. came from Barney. Yeah, like was, was on Barney. Mm-hmm. Wow. Was a regular on Barney. Yeah. Wow. Who is it? I'm looking it up. You can move yeah, on Google to the it. next thing. Okay. And I'm just going to yell uh, out a name. So okay. <laughs> quick review. Selena Gomez. There is you it? Go. No way. Yeah. Was it actually her? Yes. Oh. Selena Gomez is like a regular kid on the show. She was a regular actor on the show all the time. And now <laughs> That was Selena the last Gomez. time she was a regular kid. Oh. <laughs> She's a cooking show dinosaur. on HBO. Isn't that her? Doesn't she have the cooking show on HBO? Have you guys seen She this? does. Have you the watched advertisements it? for it pop up on my feed all the time? All she's doing is sprinkling parsley in this blender. <laughs> it is nonstop. So, it is so weird. It's so weird. I watched an episode and I was like, this is such a bizarre cooking show. It, the, <laughs> we'll talk about it later. Maybe I'll, I'll half review it <laughs> okay. after Ash okay. does his thing. It's a super weird cooking show uh, from a very, very rich person. But, <laughs> okay. Yeah. With unlimited, just sprinkling gold into their I mean, blender. it's literally like her kitchen. The kitchen is utterly gorgeous. It's like one of the most amazing kitchens in the world. And like, she's clearly just never cooked. She's like, I don't cook. So she has, she basically has on like the world's most famous chefs 
in this bonkers camera setup. They show her her setting it up, her and her assistant or whoever, but they show her and her friend or whoever it is setting it up. It's an insane camera setup. And then like, like the biggest chef in the world shows up on her like giant screen and teaches her how to cook like pasta. <laughs> like the whole thing is weird. And she is super weird. Like she just seems like a very weird, quirky kid who probably grew up with the weirdest life because she's Barney. Been Barney. Yeah. And she was like five. Uh, and it's just, it, the whole thing is odd. And I try, I, I haven't gone back to it at all. And I love cooking shows, but this one was beyond anything normal. It also made me sad because I know she probably just like, walked into a pitch meeting with HBO and was like, I don't know, I learned how to cook. And they were like, sold! And just like gave her money and a bunch of cameras. Yeah. And there's a bunch of professional chefs, especially f- like women professional chefs out there trying to have cooking shows that they're like, yeah, I don't know, no one will watch it. <laughs> like, pandemic content. Yeah. You want to talk about so pandemic insane. content? Hulu has a new show called Vacation from yeah. Home. Vacation from Home, yeah. And when you turn it on, it's just a man who strapped a camera to his chest mm-hmm. and just went hiking in various <laughs> California locales. And you get to just watch it. Feel like you're outside. That's it. So That's sad. it. I just fast forwarded through that Montecito one and I was like, <laughs> hey, look, a cow. <laughs> that was it. That's uh, pandemic content, my friends. Uh, yeah. It's the Wild West out here. <laughs> so sad the world that we're living in <laughs> hey, you guys know what's not sad is star renegades from massive damage wow. what a transition good job buddy yeah. it's the first done. and only transition you've ever done <laughs> yeah there we go uh so this game is it just came out on steam uh i've been following it for a couple years it's been at so many paxes and shows in various states and now it's finally out uh it is so much fun guys like I, I i'm in love with the aesthetic of this game i'm in love with like the, sort of the, the just the dna of what this game is um the short version is it's uh, a turn-based rpg uh strategy title where you play as like these futuristic kind of robots and uh, you know cybernetic cool bounty hunter type characters and uh you go through these maps that are procedurally generated and try and meet various objectives but during the whole throughout you know your adventures you're building your team and collecting items um but then at the end if you don't you know in 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 traditional roguelike manner if you don't win you die and start over but in this game you kind of start off in a parallel universe and you start over all over from the beginning uh but all the stuff that you've collected is sort of helping you along your journey um i'm sort of doing the game a disservice because it's a very hard game to describe but um, it sort of takes the combat of a game like uh, an old, like an old, like an old Final Fantasy, like Final Fantasy three, like a uh, sort of like a turn based where you actually queue up the actions of your characters and go against a variety of different enemies. But there's a, a sort of a chess like element to it where you are trying to like break enemies guards and uh, stun them. You know, you can see like what attacks they have queued up and you have to counter them at the same time. And all of your characters have all different sorts of cool abilities from like heals and stuns to area of effect powers and uh, really, really cool animated like jump slices and kicks and, and massive explosions. Like I, I, I cannot say enough cool stuff about this game. Um, it is, I think like right now it's like 22 bucks are worth every every single dollar right now <laughs> if you're into if you're into rpgs uh it's just got a really fun you know 
the tone of it's great. The, the, it doesn't take very long to play so you can get in, you know, for like a half an hour, feel like you get a lot done and then like log off and be like, all right, I'll do another run and see how far I get. And like, you may get past, you know, world one onto world two and be like, okay, I'll stop here, exit out, come back, play again later. Um, it has something called the adversary system, which I thought was a really cool innovation. It was um, taken from like Shadow of Mordor where enemies that uh, you defeat and that you've defeated kind of come back later and they improve and change over time. So you may see like the same villain reappearing throughout your campaign, which I think is really cool. That is super cool. It is really cool. So you'll, you know, you'll see this guy and you'll be like, oh no, there he is again. And and you'll have to face off against him again. And he's, you know, grown just as your characters have grown, which I think is a really neat system. They also do a great job of um, creating relationships between all the characters that you encounter. So there's literally dozens of different character types that you can pick up along the way, different people you can add to your party. And um, there's these really cool moments where like once your turns are exhausted on the map, you actually have a, a camping sort of like mini game where all the characters also have camping abilities. So one will be able to like sing a song that boosts like another character's morale. One will be able to like uh, give somebody something to eat that'll boost their health. And one will like give a pep talk that'll like give them bonus to damage in the next couple rounds. But um, the characters actually all have their own backstories and talk to one another and have, um, you know, relationships with one another as well. And from what I understand, characters can have like offspring in this game. So like if you have characters that get along really, really well, they can have kids and those kids <laughs> become playable characters. Um, it's kind of insane. I haven't gotten That's that far so yet. interesting. It is super interesting. So apparently there's like all sorts of wild characters you can unlock through like a, a progeny system. Uh, but I, I just like, uh, I'm getting way too excited talking about it because I feel like it's so ambitious and so incredibly beautiful to look at. It's got this like really awesome pixel art, but it's like if pixel art was like injected with like an insane amount of like adrenaline where every all the sprites are just exploding and the animation is just absolutely stunning to look at. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like everybody that likes turn-based strategy at all or RPGs at all should check out Star Renegades. I think it's a game that lends itself really well to streaming as well because you can have these these runs that are short or long. Uh, you can see how well you do and then improve and then go back and dive in there with your community and check it out. Um, it is from Massive Damage Games, which I believe is a Canadian, a small Canadian studio, and they've been working on this for a really long time. I think I first saw this three years ago at a PAX, and now it's finally out. So I think they uh, they also did Halcyon Six, which is an i I played it on iPad. I assume it's probably a Steam game too, um, but was fun as hell. Also full of like great style. It was kind of a space theme, uh, ship commander game and stuff. But um. That's really cool. Yeah, it sounds neat. It looks really cool. I was looking it up while you were talking. Yeah, definitely worth it. I feel like it would um if it if it does come to Switch, it is a really good Switch title too. Like it it, it would feel good on Switch just to be able to play it on the go. So, I hope it does eventually. Right now it is uh, Steam only from what yeah. I understand. I would also take an iPad. Yeah, me too. It would be a great <laughs> iPad game. <laughs> uh Bree, let's talk about Mulan. Are you, are I've you seen you've seen it so what did you think what i have i have a lot of questions so what are your yeah. uh your general impressions of mulan well um 
my previous experience with Mulan was the animated Disney classic. And um, mm. you, when they announced the live action Disney remake, you know, I was very excited about it. And um, beyond being excited just because I love the movie Mulan, you know, a lot of people are really excited about representation side of it, which I was really stoked about too. Um, so I think there was a lot of hope that this movie would just be really, really excellent um, for all of for all of those reasons. And then it got caught up in pandemic-y weirdness and it never got released in theaters. And Disney decided, okay, we'll release it in this, on our on our streaming service but you have to pay a one-time premium fee to access the movie mm. and i thought well i would have seen it in theaters just to support it anyway um anytime there's an underrepresented cast member in a lead role you know i think it's my job to support that financially because that's what i want to see more of so i would have gone to the movies and paid 30 bucks for it anyway so i was like okay i'll just I'll, I'll buy it. So I called my mom and I said, mom, can you buy this movie for me? Because she pays for my Disney plus. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good mom. Yeah. I Thanks. said, mommy, Thanks, please. Mom. And she said, okay. So, um, and she wanted to see it too. So she bought it for me and, um, and I watched it. <laughs> That's adorable by the way. I know. That's so great. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm a full grown adult no, independent so in every way. And I'm like, mommy, please buy me Mulan. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, what did I think about it? So I, I knew that I had heard a lot that they were removing like the cartoony elements and the, the kind of more free spirited elements, no music, no Mushu, you know, no lucky cricket. Right. Although they did find a, a way to kind of get that reference in there by mm. making it a, a person. Okay. Um, so the thing about the movie is I'm a general liker of things. I liked it. My one concern with it was that it, it wasn't as fun mm -hmm. as the original Mulan. It felt artificially stoic. And mm. I didn't even realize that that was a problem until probably three fourths of the way through the movie. And you know, you're coming up on the big crescendos of everything going on. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, they're still saying everything with this monotone. They're still not really embracing any emotion of the movie. Even the music felt understated and, mm -hmm. and didn't have the same like emotion swell quality. And I think I understand why they probably made those decisions. They didn't want it to come off as campy or cheesy or, you know, saccharine. I understand mm -hmm. all of that because I know that, you know, in the past, some critiques of classic Kung Fu movies have had that, mm -hmm. but they went the complete opposite direction and made it just artificially stoic. Yeah. Just very just middle ground. Like everything was playing at being serious mm -hmm. instead of genuinely being serious and honoring the stakes and showing those emotions on the screen. It was missing that element. And so it didn't feel like it had depth. And I, I, I was bummed about that. That's a bummer. And I, and it wasn't as fun, you know, there were a few jokes here and there, but I wonder if they really didn't want it to be, you know, campy or cheesy or saccharine and they just kind of overcorrected in the wrong direction which isn't a huge crime, mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it didn't it didn't have that same like heartfelt Disney movie feel like a lot of Disney movies have. But I feel like a lot of the live action Disney movies are kind of suffering that problem. That's what I was going to ask, because it feels like that's what kind of happened with like Lion King and, and with with uh, Beauty and the Beast and stuff. Mm-hmm. So do you think it's just that this move to live action is just kind of a weird shift for what was because those movies all have like that side character that's like nothing but just riffing jokes the entire movie, you know, and they're like on the main character's shoulder riding around riffing jokes. And uh, it seems like you can't really pull that off with live action as, as much. It would feel super off, off in a way. But that's not true. Yeah. Like if you look at the Marvel movies, they're very epic. They're very dramatic. Oh, they're yeah. very emotional. And yet they're funny the whole way through. Yeah. That's true. And the Disney, the live action Disney movies that I've seen, I've seen Cinderella, I've seen Beauty and the Beast, and now Mulan, they don't have that same yeah. well-roundedness. Yeah. It's a hard it's, thing to pull off though. Yeah. You know? It's like how do you how do you translate those classic animated films into something that I don't think necessarily has to be live action? Like I, I don't think anyone was like, you know what we really need to see is a live action, you know, Beauty and the Beast. I don't think there were a lot of people that were like really clamoring for that. Um, just because the animated version is so beloved and so and still yeah. so great, like you don't look at that and be like, "This needs to be updated." Like we watched like Robin Hood the other day, which I think is from the '60s, and like yeah. I just was looking at the animation, and I was like, "God, this is just gorgeous! It's still gorgeous. Like oh, it doesn't yeah. you know doesn't need to be changed, you know?" Yeah, I think that you know, and this comes up a lot with with remake as far as Final Fantasy VII remake. I feel like I've talked this to death. You know, what does the true remake require? What makes something a remake as opposed to a remaster? You know, you have to sometimes when you're when you're choosing to spend all this time and all this money making something that's already been seen, you have to do it in a way that it couldn't have been done the other way or in the other time. Yeah, you're you're inherently making something new using original source material. And so I think that it's possible they're just having a hard time tonally figuring out where they sit in that. I think it's like, I think there is a difference though with games to movies on some of these remakes in that sense of like the why of it being made, you know, like in game making, there is sort of a, a technical leap that you can make that could, could at least understate why a little bit, you know, right. and then it's like, well, then we can start layering on all these other great things to make this remake or this, or this redo like good and worthwhile and, and, and fun and, and part of it, you know, and, and a movie getting remade often feels like a nostalgia bait where it's like, Oh, we're just, we're putting out a thing to see if we can make some more money off the same IP. But then at the same time, you know, I was going to say like, I long for the days when Disney was just generating animated movies that were new, but they are still, it's just all, I think the safer bets, which is like onward and yes, you know, it's the 3d kind of Pixar style animated movies. They're not Mm -hmm. doing a lot of these 2ds anymore. They're not doing, and they could have made Mulan that way. Sure. But like point being that like they are still doing this original IP. So I I find it interesting, but it also just makes me wish like, you know, what other story could be told with that money if they were to do a live action story of some sort, do we have to redo Mulan? Do we have to redo beauty and the beast? But people seem to be liking it too. So if you're get if it's something good, like I'm for it, I guess, but it's, it is and little... I completely agree with you. I yeah. sort of, you know, I was never a avid watcher of old 
you know, Kung Fu, Crouching Tiger style movies, martial arts was never really my thing. So I'm guessing for the people that love that kind of thing, for the people who feel seen in that kind of media, Mm -hmm. that maybe they had a very different experience watching the live action Mulan than I did. And I have to respect that as well as Disney doesn't just make movies for America. They make movies for the whole globe, for people of all different kinds. And maybe they had something in mind knowing, okay, this is going to do a little bit better in a different audience Mm -hmm. than it is in America. And maybe they just made that choice. Maybe they made that choice for money. Maybe they made it artistically Mm -hmm. for reputation. Could be any number of reasons to fill out a roster. Who knows? Yeah, right. But I sort of look at wishing that we had gotten a more Maleficent version sure. of a live action yeah, remake yeah. of all these other movies. Like like Maleficent took Sleeping Beauty and actually told a different story right. and yeah. actually gave you a reason why they had to remake it. And I wish they had just taken that and, and, and put it towards all the other Disney live action remakes. Yeah, that's what I would like, have loved. The sort of like world building, like figuring yeah. out like, oh, we can we can flesh out so many of these characters or tell more stories with it. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, we're going to probably end up getting it at my house too at some point. We're also big Mulan fans, the animated version and and uh there's a part of me that just wants this style of movie delivery to keep happening, so I'm like I'm okay <laughs> supporting them, you know, like Yeah. We, we got Bill and Ted and and love that movie and and like, you know, I'm not going to get every single one of them, but if it's a movie that is something, like you said, that I would would have gone to the theater anyways, I'm interested in doing it. I had a lot of questions technically around how they were going to do this because they kind of just riffed this idea that they were going to sell it through Disney+, mm-hmm. Plus. but apparently you can buy it on your Apple TV through Disney+, Plus or buy it on whatever platform you're using, so... You know, I, like technically wise, it's weird, but I just I'm I'm happy to to at least be like, yes, please give us keep please keep giving us, you know, first release movies in our houses because we would like to keep seeing new movies and not have them be uh, theater only at all. At times. least for now. At least, at least for, for now, now. And, and maybe honestly, for the next parent, year. Maybe for like, a long time. Oh, well, okay. Fair. Fair. Yeah. I still love a good movie experience, but like uh, probably not oh, for course. a good year. Yeah. Absolutely, and we have like I I don't know one. You have you're are you in L.A.? I don't know where you're at, but yeah, yeah. So you have a ton of great theaters out there too. We have Alamo in New York here, and like Alamo is like wonderful. It's like the I've greatest been to the one in San going. Francisco. Oh, it's, it's pretty special. It's so good. Um, yeah. We would. What's the huge one we went to in L.A.? There's a big one that has like the big Cinedome, not Cinerama, but the ArcLight. ArcLight. ArcLight was pretty nice too. We went yeah. to ArcLight. Um, they were pretty great. So I, I love that kind of experience as well, but there is a piece of me that just like kind of shrugs and goes like, can we have both? You know, like, is there is there a viable monetizing way for you guys so that we can just have both the theater experience and the, hey, I'm stuck at home with a two-year-old, but I'd still like to see this movie experience, you know? In theory, it makes sense. I just don't know if the suits will agree with yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's why if we all support the good ones that come out there you now, go. we can keep proving to them that it works. <laughs> Indeed. So. Well, that's, that's just really a good segue. Let's take a quick break. I don't need to talk about Teenage Bounty Hunters again. It's just good. You still watch, like it. Just watch it. I saw a bunch of people. I follow a lot of like writer Twitter and stuff, like a lot of screenwriters and stuff. And, and uh, I saw a bunch of people after you talked about it last week tweeting about how great the show is and how little promotion it's getting. Oh, my God. It's getting like none. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude. It's laugh out loud, hilarious, and so well done. So well done. Yeah. So Teenage Bounty Hunters, check it out on Netflix. 
uh, season one is on there now. Let's take a quick break, listen to some music, and come back and talk more about box office stuff. All right, we are back with some news items. Uh, first thing we're going to talk about is Tenet's box office. Um, apparently, Tenet made $20.2 million in the United States over the course of 13 days. Uh, and statistics I read said that it needs roughly $500 million globally to break even. So it's not close to that just yet. Right. It's, it's doing much better overseas. Uh, where restrictions on cinemas have kind of loosened a bit. Uh, I don't have the overseas numbers in front of me, but I think it's over a hundred at this point. Um, but I'm kind of curious, like, do you, do you think that it was wise for Tenet to open here? Um, do you think that it was maybe just a little bit of a, I don't know, hubris on the part of, of Nolan. Like, I, I don't know why they were so intent on this movie in particular being like the one that would kind of, you know, bring people back to the box office or do you have any desire to go see it? Like, are you in the camp? That's like, I'm going to go see tenant. <laughs> I mean, no, <laughs> same also no, <laughs> but I yeah. mean, there's almost no movie that would put my butt in a theater seat right now. So it's not, it's not yeah. all on Christopher Nolan for that. Yeah. First of all, I think his career will be okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think this movie could have made $10 and he would still get to make movies for the rest of his life if he wanted to. Yeah, um, that's true. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's, I think that, uh, so he was adamant, or he, or maybe he in studio, I don't want to, it's not like I talked to him yesterday, uh, but they were adamant in some ways that they were not going to do TV release with this, that they were definitely not putting it in any kind of streaming service they wanted theater first, right? Like that was their whole thing on this movie. So, I mean, some of it to me is just like, well, what did you expect? <laughs> like you're not going to get 150 million out of the box on a movie that has like theaters that can't sell all their seats and no one's going anywhere and half of them are shut down. So it's definitely hubris in some sense, right? I don't know if it's all on Christopher Nolan, but it's, there are many people involved here that probably should have, uh, thought about this maybe an extra moment i mean do you think they were relying on like word of mouth and and critic opinions where like you have to get that theater experience in order to get a good review and a good word of mouth i think nolan is one of those theater experience directors like he feels like his movies deserve to only be watched that way and uh that's why this was pushed so hard in this direction yeah He's spoken out against Netflix and yeah, he, does he doesn't like, like his movies being watched on devices or yeah. he's a very... He won't be on Quibi anytime soon. Quibi. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but he, yeah, so he's pretty outspoken about that stuff. Um, so I think it's probably mostly just that. And then I think, I mean, if you were going to, if you were a studio exec and you had this movie ready to go and you were going to make a bet on a movie... There are worse directors and like titles to make a bet on because this was like essentially his follow up to uh to uh what's the top spinning I just blanked on the name Inception. of it. Inception. Inception. Not that this is part of the Inception world, but that this is like, you know, his his next like non known title that he's putting out that's like huge and twisty and weird and we're all going to get mind blown by it. It to to the question of the reviews stuff, it's gotten middling reviews. It hasn't gotten like five-star greatest movie ever made reviews so that probably hasn't helped either but it just i don't know i think like there's part of me that's just like 
we're in a weird situation just everything should be coming to tv right now like why is anyone trying to force anything to a theater that or i guess delay it which is what i don't know if you guys saw the news about wonder woman but now now they're saying wonder woman's going to get booted till the end of this year and it'll take dune slot which will then get booted to next year most likely but poor wonder woman has been like ready to go for like a year <laughs> like this yeah. movie has just been like ready to go out and it kept getting moved for different like theater like studio reasons hasn't that it... been the case for black widow as well yes yeah, yeah. both widow. movies were like slated ready to go made and then they keep pushing them and there's part of me that wonders if they wanted like tenant this is a very like you know uh conspiracy that, theory uh, yeah <laughs> but they wanted tenant to come out because if tenant bombs then it's a male-driven Christopher Nolan movie that they can be like, well, nothing would have done well, but had they put Wonder Woman out and it bombed in the same way, they would have been like, women comic movies don't work. You know, like it would have been blamed in some other tertiary reason. No matter how not... well those movies do, people are going to say that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For yeah. starters. So it's true. like, to me, it's like, I think this is all just part of like, they're just trying to figure out how to get anything out. And I think Nolan is just so adamant about not putting stuff on TV that... This is why we're they wanted to use him as the guinea pig. Yeah, yeah, and see how how ready people were. Yeah, yeah. And I think that it, it there's also the the possibility that had this exact movie, you know, he, Christopher Nolan can be convinced, and everyone who's seen it can be convinced that this was going to be the game changer of a movie. This yeah. is going to be the movie that they're going to be studying in film classes yeah. for the next fifty years. But you can't release art in a vacuum, right? Every piece of art exists in the time that you release it in, that it exists in. And I think that some people really forget that. Yeah, it's true. It's a really so good maybe point. the reviews are just like totally subjective without realizing that like we're just not focused on this right now. Yeah. Right. Not our yeah. priority. I, I mean, I'm, I'm of the camp that I felt it was a really selfish decision uh, driven by the dollar to have this go to the theaters at all. Like I, like somewhere there's a, a group of, of people that are sitting around saying like, okay, like this is a good movie. We want people to go to the theaters. We don't care if they risk their lives to do it because it has been proven that if you look at charts, theaters are one of the worst places you can go right. during a pandemic. And we're saying we're going to put this movie in the theaters and only in the theaters Hey, let's let those those people that really want to see it take right. that risk themselves. I mean, that's like you know, that's a, a huge debate about just uh, you know personal choice and, and things of that nature. But I just kind of feel like it was like, hey, like that's a wrong decision to make if you were a person in power. And like, God forbid, even like one person gets sick and uh, dies or, or gets hurt because they went to see Tenet. That's like, all right, well, you just killed somebody. Like. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like I, mean, this, I think uh, they're probably not thinking about that though. Yeah, they're so yeah. far removed. Yeah. 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 I mean there's a very like there's a debate in my brain about whether you know, cuz like production's kicking up again in New York and and is LA kicking again now already or mm -hmm. no? Yeah. Starting so production's to. already starting to go up and they've got all these rules and systems that they're trying to put in place there's a football game on tonight that has 17,000 people in, in in the stadium what watching yep uh, in the stadium yeah it's I not mean, just to be, cardboard cutouts anymore no. to be fair the stadium holds 76,000 so it's like a quarter full stadium but 
And they're all, from what I saw, they were all in masks, but it's still very weird to see right now during this current moment. Um, so it's like, there's a part of me that goes like, well, you know, we are, we're in a situation, if we are going to talk about like now, we're in a situation where we're all in this like pressure cooker and there there is definitely used to having these things that have like little release valves that let us see movies or watch a football. The, it was the most normal I have felt in six months sitting on my couch watching a football game tonight, which is weird to say because football is problematic for so many other reasons. <laughs> and like, it still was just like, I'm going to do this and enjoy it for right now because everything's weird and shitty. So mm-hmm. like, there's a part of me that goes like, I get the drive for them to want to start getting movies out and start putting new things in front of people. And I'm glad that like everything didn't grind to such a halt that like, we have nothing, although I will warn everybody if they're not thinking about this, the second half of this TV season that's about to start is going to be fucking weird because nothing is shot. <laughs> like, <laughs> like Bob's Burgers will be the only program we get to watch because it kept going during all of this. They've been working remote the entire time. But like all of the in-person stuff like probably have like half episodes, half seasons or nothing at all and didn't even get made. And now they're scrambling to shoot probably the weirdest shooting schedules in the world to get this stuff done gosh but aren't you excited to see what they come up with Uh, i know i am yeah it's gonna be so weird i'm just so excited (laughs) call me an optimist but i'm like this is the peak of human creativity like what gets created now is gonna define tv going forward oh for sure yes in movies but even how we consume it like all this stuff is changing yeah. like right now while we're yeah. doing it so real time it's insane. so there's the part of me that's like fine that they're doing this i agree that yes there's there's culpability to the idea of like putting people in theaters and stuff but i don't know the whole thing is just so bizarre if if you were to ask me like a year ago what director would have done it it would have been like either him or like Michael Bay or somebody be like my movie <laughs> won't go anywhere but in theaters and you're like all right i guess you know <laughs> people can die yeah <laughs> so they have so, to I have the know. experience i don't people know people listening that are gonna be like oh man that's such a shitty take by by me but i don't no, know i mean i i understand what you're saying i they're like yes like there's there's a lot of decisions that go into somebody getting sick by going to the theater to see tenant though so yeah to me it's like not that christopher nolan murdered that person it's that that person <laughs> also made a bad decision and the studio shouldn't have done it and like yeah. there's a hundred things that could have happened right. to keep this from happening but right. but uh but i also do understand the need for normalcy at least in small amounts and so i can understand all of the weird decisions getting made right now during during pandemic times so but you know i mean again i am also in the camp although it hasn't sounded like it this episode i am also in the camp that i would like things to do well and be good <laughs> So, yeah. so I, I too hope that the review, the middling reviews are just like, hey, we're just not in the mood for a movie that's like so far up its own butt right now that we can't understand what's going on. <laughs> yeah. We've got a lot happening in our lives and we just want to enjoy ourselves. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so who knows? But yeah, a couple of the, we'll move off Tenant in a second, but a couple of the reviews I read said, yeah, you probably have to watch this movie four times to really yeah. understand. I'm like, oh, so you're going to go to the theater four times. <laughs> oh, <laughs> boy. <laughs> It's just going to be, I mean, like if you've seen Memento or you've seen Inception, like he's just, this is the, he made another one of those. So it's like, you're either going to be down for that now yeah. <laughs> or you're going to be like me where my brain is so like full of anxiety that I don't exactly. need to see a movie about a right. guy who can't figure out what time period he's in or whatever the hell's going on in it. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, there, I think there's a lot that is happening <laughs> in, in all of this little story about one movie coming out. But, but sure. I don't know. I, I think that, 
I I really still will keep pushing. Put these movies in people's TVs. Everybody's got a freaking giant TV at this point with like a sound bar or something in front of it. Like it's fine. Not everybody, but a lot of people have it. And just give them a decent. It's a decent home experience now. It's not like the old days where we're sitting on tube TVs with shitty signals coming in from cable or something. So yeah. Well, let's uh, quickly jump on over to Xbox stuff before we talk about Dune. Um, so they release a bunch of information to, today. I guess the really quick thing I want to talk about was the leak for the uh, Series S and how well that leak was handled. Yeah. Did you guys see this? They did a great job handling this. Yeah, so apparently the information about the Xbox Series S got leaked uh, like a couple days before their announcement. And rather than trying to really deny anything, the the social team and I guess the marketing team over at Xbox and probably a thousand other people. Yeah. <laughs> and 16,000 yes, executives. Yes, they, they were just like <laughs> kind of go with the flow and they released a couple really funny memes of uh of you know of characters sort of shrugging about what was going on yeah and then the next day they just said okay well the cat's out of the bag here's the here's the stats on the xbox series s uh and then they followed up uh with i guess all the information about the release of the both new xboxes so it's exciting stuff i like it i was talking to matt on slack about it today about their crazy financing options so apparently you can pay $34 $34 a month for the new Xbox for two years and you get the, you know, you get the hardware and the service all in like one bundle. And I was just very confused having like covered this for so long. I'm like, what is like, yeah. what is this deal? So I don't remember the writer's name and I apologize, but somebody on io9, I think it was, or Kotaku broke down what the deal is. And it's essentially the same way you, you you'd buy an iPhone for 20 bucks a month or whatever. You can buy an Xbox, but it's bundled with the service, but you don't actually own it. And even when you pay it off, it's yours unless you want to buy the next one through the same financing plan. Then you, I assume, I guess, have to trade that one in uh, with no actual value given back to you. So you're not really you're you're getting the benefit of saving a little bit of money, but you're not actually owning it. So it's like leasing a car to an extent, you know. Interesting. Um, and then you're paying a monthly fee for it. The only thing I want to point out is that like two years ago when they released the Xbox one X, I said that I, even though I have one, I said that I, <laughs> I was mad at it because we were doing the iPhone occasion of consoles where we were going to shorten the cycle of consoles. We were going to start letting you pay by month to own them. It was going to, we were just turning what was once like, Oh, you're going to get seven years out of this thing into like, you'll get like three, maybe four years. You're going to pay for it every month to have it. And Hey, I'm like a. You were right. I'm so thank you so much. Scott and Ash will never say that sentence, and it really gets to me. You know what was that? Av- Ava, what's that show you wanted me to watch? <laughs> but, it cost me nothing to say. You clearly were right. <laughs> uh, but I don't actually hate the payment plans. Not I wouldn't do it. It's not like my cup of tea. But I think that you know, there's plenty of people who are $20 a month to have Game Pass and an Xbox One S or 25, whatever it is uh is like an affordable amount and like that seems like a pretty good plan for that kind of person so that's great you know that's i'm all for getting games and systems in front of people but i did yeah. think they handled it very well they both look i mean everybody we don't need to talk about the specs they're very yeah. powerful machines yeah. and they'll play video games pretty well yeah powerful machines <laughs> that's kind of how i feel about it <laughs> yeah will it play the game it will well yeah. then i like it there yeah. you go. it will 
I'm in that camp too. Yeah. I mean, millions of trillions of teraflops and all that fun stuff. Yeah. Both, both systems are. I build software for a living and barely understand what a teraflop is. Yeah. I mean, in every single video game. Who knows? Well, it's an extra large belly flop. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. Many belly flops over and over. Mm -hmm. Wow. (laughs) Explains so much about Xbox. It's all about Mm -hmm. the belly flops. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Let's jump on over and talk about more movies. The Dune trailer. It's a very movie movie show today, which is great. I was so pleasantly surprised by this trailer. Did you see it, Bree? Have you seen the trailer yet? For I didn't. I didn't know I had homework. I know. It's okay. We added, I added it this so last minute. Yeah. <laughs> literally last minute. We'll watch it after the show and then we'll let, do. let us Do you know. like Timothy Chalamet? What? Do you like <laughs> Timothy Chalamet? Who? Yeah, good old no, Timothy I, Chalamet. I, I've heard the name five million times as a joke at this point, but I have yeah. actually no idea who that is. Really? Yeah. I haven't good. seen them in anything. No. He's a he's a very handsome young man, I guess. I don't know. Uh, and then Zendaya. Do you like Zendaya? Sure. Well, then you're Music? in. She she sang <laughs> one of the songs in Moana. They're uh, well, then you're in. They're both. Yeah. In. Uh, yeah. You like Oscar Isaac? Come on. Yes, I'm, I'm actually, yes. I will say the cast is unbelievable. The cast is oh, like, yeah. it, it It shouldn't be, it's an insane group of actors. Uh, Jason Momoa, right? And then, oh! and, uh, I would see it now. Oh, yeah. It's like every beef, right. beefcake yeah. dude. It's beefcaked up. All right. Well, and suddenly I'm very interested. <laughs> and then it's uh, Dennis Villeneuve who did Blade Runner 2049, Arrival, Sicario, uh, he's the director, and all movies uh, I've definitely seen. <laughs> <laughs> They're good. No, all, everything. Arrival is, is yeah. Arrival's. Fantastic. I actually have seen Arrival, but yeah. that's because I love Amy Adams, and it well, was a screener go. the year that I was eligible for screeners. Did you enjoy oh, cool. it? I very much did. Yeah. Well, then there you go. You're in. Yeah. Uh, I'm in. <laughs> I too. I so I reread this book recently because I hadn't read it since high school, and it's a very dense, heavy sci-fi book, but. I reread it and was excited for this movie because I love Dennis Villeneuve and I love the cast that they've put together. And I was like, I was already pretty amped for this movie to come out, but I didn't realize how excited I would be when they dropped the trailer for it. And I was it, same thing. Like I was floored by this. I'm very, I'm all, I'm like not going to go to the theater for it, but I am very excited that this movie's coming out. At some time. Who freaking knows when. Yeah. You've made it very clear you're not going to the theater. Yeah. I am Don't not going. Don't worry. This, this movie is feasibly going to be one of my favorite movies, you know, in the past year or two. And I'm still not going to go to the theater yeah. to see it. Uh, it was supposed to be the end of this year. And literally, I think today they let out that it's probably going to get pushed into the next year so that they can keep reslotting movies around until we have a, you know, a vaccine or something, I assume. So uh, we'll see. But. The trailer is really good. Everybody should go watch it. We're probably going to get 74 trailers for this movie. We'll probably be able to piece the entire movie together by the time this oh, movie yeah. actually comes out because we're probably yeah. a year out from the movie Couple years. coming out. That's the way I like it. But yeah. <laughs> it does look super wonderful. So. It does. It looks awesome. I can't wait. I used to play, I was telling Matt this, but there used to be an old strategy game called Dune 2. <laughs> It yeah. was made by Westwood, the same people that made yeah. Command and Conquer and stuff. So I learned a ton about Dune as a kid from playing that game. And then there's Dark history Star- on that because Dune One was like a bad game, and so they made Dune Two, which was more relevant to like the book and the movie. It's the it's a crazy story about oh, a- like 80s level video game making. Everybody oh, should go look at it. It's wild. Bonkers. 
Well, let's, uh, since we're at time, let's go ahead and move our question of the week to next week and, and wrap stuff up. Uh, that was super fun. Bree, thanks for coming on and hanging yeah. out with us. This was awesome. We had some good talks. We did. <laughs> good talks. That's what we do. That's what we, we should rename the show. It. Good talks. Um, good talks. Thanks, everyone, for listening to episode 360 of the Rated NA podcast. Uh, you can email us, nerds at nerdappropriate.com, or you can uh, send us a, uh, what do we do? Tweets at, at nerdappropriate on Twitter. Matt's what do we Matt do? History. <laughs> I always forget this part. What do we do? Uh, what do we do? Bree, where can people find you? Oh, you know, I do tweets too. <laughs> um, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at the Strange Rebel, or at it's Brianna White. I have two. Give two. Double it up. I have two. Yeah, one is really more for my content creation and my gaming stuff. So that's the Strange Rebel, um, and then it's Brianna White is more like acting stuff and you know, angry rants about people not wearing their mask, things like that. You know, the fun stuff. The fun stuff. Us too. Us too. Do you have anything (laughs) to plug that you're allowed to plug just yet? Oh, you know. Secret projects? I'm in this little game called Final Fantasy VII Remake. (laughs) Little game. Um, (laughs) If you've ever heard of that. Um, I did actually just recently do my first post Final Fantasy voice acting gig uh, in a little game called Pop Up Dungeon. Oh, cool! It's on Steam, and it's a really fun um, roguelite RPG. That's kind of it's called Papercraft, and it kind of looks like a pop up book, which is oh, really cool. Yeah, 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 cute, yeah. And it has the capability to either play through the campaign that they have set, or you can just build your own. So oh, it's fun. kind of like a sandbox RPG builder. They call it like the Mario Maker of RPGs, which That's is really, cool. really cool. Yeah. So people are having a lot of fun with that. Oh, that's awesome. That, I, If I'm correct, that game has like a lot of really talented voice folks in it too. Yes. Uh, from what I saw. So that's awesome. Yeah. Will, that, it's, that seems it's like right a joy. Up my alley. Very You cool. would probably love it. From what you were saying about um, Star Renegades, I thought immediately Pop-Up Dungeon would be up your alley. Oh, sweet. Maybe I'll, I'll review it next week then. It'll give me something, something <laughs> to play. Well, thank you guys for listening, and uh, we will see you next week with some all-new stuff.